0: Do you feel like competing is an important part of your dance life? I have an interesting interview to share with you today. And like always, I hope it's something that encourages a new way of thinking. My guest today is Chasta Hamilton. She's the author of Trash the Trophies, How to Win Without Losing Your Soul. She's also the owner and artistic director of Stage Door Dance Productions. Chasta is reinventing the dance education model by focusing on character development and community involvement over the traditional competitive approach. I had the pleasure of meeting Chasta when she was a speaker for my Confident Dancer Summit, and we had a great conversation about shifting your focus when you're living out of alignment from your vision, even if it means you're going against everything the industry says you are supposed to do in order to be successful. Chasta and I agree that dance is a wonderful mechanism for teaching our dancers important life lessons. I bet many of you agree with that too, but Chasta's perspective on how dance teaches those life lessons is pretty unique. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Hi, Jasta. Thank you so much
1: for coming to talk with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and I'm looking forward to our chat
0: today. Me too. So introduce yourself a little bit for us. Let us know who you are and your kind of dance world connections. Yeah, so
1: my name is Chasta Hamilton, and I am the owner and artistic director of Stage Door Dance Productions, which is located in Raleigh, North Carolina. We have two studio locations, and we are about to enter our 13th season, so I opened the studios right out of college and have learned so much along the way, especially like all of us in the last 18 months, and um, I, I love directing and choreographing for theater And I just, the arts are my heart and it's really nice to be able to combine that in a professional way with your business. So I'm super excited to chat today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for coming. And so I think one thing I wanted to talk to you about is how we can use dance as this catalyst for change. Like, as you said, so much of us, our heart is in dance and we love it. But there's still things that could be better, things that we can improve and change and use dance as a way to do that. Yeah,
1: 100 percent. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, when I first opened the studios, it was kind of this checkbox, right? Like the things that we know that work in our industry do this, do that, um, and do it well, but that's all very surface level. And five or six years into the studio, I was starting to recognize that that wasn't necessarily true to my vision or my purpose. And, you know, that gut feeling is, it's just, it's really nasty to wrestle with. So we started making some big changes and um, those changes were so good for us and they prepared us to be really COVID resilient over the past um, period of time. Okay. So I would love to talk about, you know, some of the things that we've integrated and the ways that yeah. those have worked as, as we've focused on what can we do to make dance a really strong return on investment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What are some of the things that you shifted? I like how you talk about your vision. And I think it's something I've shared a lot about that you have to have, you know, personal visions, uh, industry, like business visions. And if you're out of alignment, you got to do something about it. You got to make a shift. So You have to. And it's so scary, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but that fear from that fear is where we really have the opportunity to grow and to kind of lean into our truth. So I always tell people, like, if you're having that nagging feeling, act on it, right? Like, don't, it's so easy to resist and I resisted it. Um, And I always tell people when I talk about our story that my, my biggest regret is that I didn't listen and I didn't activate the change sooner. Sure. Um, So a few of the things that along the way, and I will tell you the thing that prompted kind of all of this is I was um, at a dinner with a friend in New York city. And he asked me, he said, if your studio was lined up in like a row of houses with all other dance studios, what would be the thing that would set your program apart? Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, "Mm, we're, you know, we're good, but like what does set us apart? And that's when I realized that I hadn't activated enough of our our brand and our vision to kind of make us stand apart in the market. And that's really what I wanted to do. And that started with one, we realized that for us, that meant stepping away from the competitive dance industry piece because it was so time and resource consuming. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: we asked, you know, how can we replicate the good things for these students that want to heighten their educational experience Mm -hmm. in a way that does provide that strong ROI that we can talk about confidently to parents Right, And from there, we launched a nonprofit, which is called Girls Geared for Greatness, which focuses on the empowering and inspiring our dancers through all of these pieces that the performing arts lends itself to, whether it be public speaking or entrepreneurship, perseverance, all of these holistic pieces that um, lean into that humanistic approach, right? Because at the end of the day, art is about humanity. Yeah. And we wanted to bring more humanity into our training. So those two things were huge. Um Yeah. Well, I think stepping
0: away, drive. sorry, <laughs> I think yeah. um, stepping away from competition is such an interesting perspective. And it's one of the things I wanted to bring you into this summit to talk about, because it is different from what most of our, like, you know, school programs and competition programs, you know, we, we come from competition and we're used to being competitive. And we feel like, like that's, that that's the ultimate goal. Like I have, that's how I know I'm successful when our dancers are winning or when, you know, we're doing well and I am competitive. I love winning. That's great, but that's not all there is to it. And so would you talk a little bit more about your choice to step away from that and what that's done for your dancers?
1: Yeah. And I will say, and I always say this when I'm talking about this decision is that I am not anti-competition at all. Um, I am pro competition when it matters. So being selective in choosing those competitive moments or when to activate that competitive spirit, I think that's really important Mm -hmm. Um, for us, um, you know, in the dance education piece, which I know is a little different from the dance team that's affiliated with school piece, it is a completely deregulated industry. So, uh, a win on one day could be a loss on the next. And what we were seeing is that our value and our success was being dictated by these deregulated, profitized competitive experiences, right? So, if a student was quote unquote winning, their parents might say they need to move on and train somewhere else and be challenged more. Or if they were losing, quote unquote, (laughs) um, we weren't challenging them enough. And, you know, that's it's really contrary to dance and art and the goodness that we want to feel as we experience it. And I was also seeing students, you know, move away from a team mentality. It was becoming much more solo focused, solo driven. And unfortunately, you know, that's not life. In life, we have to work with others. We have to work towards collective um, goals and achievements. And we have to be willing to support and uplift and inspire each other. Mm-hmm. And it was a combination of all of these factors as well as many, many more that made me spend two years kind of watching and observing because I didn't want to be quick to act because like you said, this is kind of a piece that people use to define if you know you're successful. but ultimately I decided that we could be successful in other ways. Mm-hmm. And I had the confidence in that and in our rebranding to activate that as we move forward. And I'm really excited about where it led us.
0: Yeah. Okay. I have two pieces of that that I want to do. So on, on one hand, I will say, I think it's whether it's school programs or studios or anywhere, the the deregulation part is, it is an issue and it is um, even if it's state to state at the school level, it's completely different no matter where you are. And, and then as you're saying more the traditional studio or even all-star and there's different, rules in different ways to um to be evaluated you know we can talk about score sheets and like how they're completely different all over the place and it is it's hard to explain to our dancers why this routine did really well last week and then it didn't do so well this week and like, but we we got better but our scores went down it's like but it's it's because it's not apples to apples but they don't see that and the parents don't see that um, and it's hard to I find that the challenge to help dancers be confident in their own growth when this outside measuring stick is loose, moving target, that they don't know what to do with it, yeah. I love that phrase, <laughs> loose moving target, because it's true, right? Like it is
1: so all over the place. Um, and unfortunately, parents are using that metric to make evaluation on what you have to offer. Yeah. Even so, if that's incredibly unfair.
0: Absolutely. So have you seen a shift in your dancers like mindset and confidence when you've made this shift? A thousand percent,
1: not only in dancers that want to train at that heightened level, but in the culture overall. So I've seen it in our leadership, I've seen it with our families. I've seen it in the students that maybe don't dance as much. you know we strip mm-hmm. away using the words recreational and competitive because we mm-hmm. want to have a really inclusive focus Um, in all of the programs. So the dancers that pursue heightened educational experiences, they're called our intensive training program. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is a, it is a full community because when we made this change, I really wanted to lean into community and connection. And those are the two things that have really heightened and improved. And the shift kind of happened around 2015, 2016. So we're about five years out at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, and I do tell people this a lot, that first year when we activated this, it was it was scary. Pretty much all of our competition team left, several of our staff members left. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what happened is our overall enrollment increased 25%. And then year by year, we had that steady growth. To even in this past, you know, COVID season that we had, our intensive training program was bigger than our intensive training program ever was. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a testament to, mm-hmm. to what speaks to people. And I mean, people really want experiences that nurture the soul mm-hmm. and that develop the full person right now.
0: Right. Well, and I think back to your point about like, this was your value and your intentional choice about your brand and whether it's be your business brand or your team's vision, it was very intentional and you're going to lose some people along the way, but then that's shifted. And I've seen that so much in whether I'm like one coach over one team or a business owner over lots of people. Like if you shift your vision, you're going to lose some people and having the confidence to say, like, I know this is what I want. And I know that this is really an alignment for me and it's okay. Like there's nothing good or bad. They can choose something else and it's not you know, evaluative If I'm right. Yeah. It's just, this is my path. And if it's not yours, that's okay. That's okay. And go somewhere else. Yeah. And, but I think that takes so much confidence to know that like, this is what I want. And I know I'm going to lose people and not like, did you panic at some point and think, Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: All the time. But I, I'll never forget. I was standing in target one day. This is when we were still in competition and Mm -hmm. I was just standing there feeling so sick. I was breaking out in hives. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you have to listen to your body and your mind and your heart. And at that point I knew whatever was on the other side, like it had to be done in order for me to get a place to a place where I could love and have this passion that I had had my whole life. Right. So, um, it was so important to do it, but it was, it was super scary and it still can be scary. I always say like when you're swimming upstream, you never know if you're necessarily doing the right thing, sure. but if it feels right, it means you're on the right track. Yes. Um, and I think that's important.
0: It is important. Absolutely. So talk, share a little bit about what it looks like now, then if you are, cause like I can imagine people listening to me, like you don't compete. What do you do? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what else is going on? Like, I know, how, right? How else so, do you measure uh, success? What else do you guys do?
1: Yeah, so it is all about creativity and innovation. Um, so I fully and wholeheartedly believe that you can replicate that competitive high-end experience in other ways, and I'll I'll tell everyone how we've done that, and I've worked with several studios around the country that have made this shift um, over the past year in all different states, and I always say like what worked for us isn't going to necessarily work for you, but take what we've done and use it to inspire what your vision is, you know, use it as inspiration but figure out what is your vision, I think unique visions are so important, but so for example we perform in the community so. In a non-pandemic season, our students will perform four or five times each semester in the community, whether that's arts events, festivals, we have a kids museum, we do regular performances there. Mm -hmm. And these are opportunities where they get to perform and they don't have to pay and they're improving every single time, right? So, and they're also building camaraderie with that experience as well. Each year we have a capstone experience which is our annual philanthropic show. So this is a show that is fully produced by our intensive training program and performed by our intensive training program. And it goes to a nonprofit every single year, the proceeds. And they pick that nonprofit. They have to practice giving an elevator pitch. Um, so every dance is benchmarked with a fundraising goal. So the dances enter the show as they're hitting these um, fundraising benchmarks. We have a silent auction, and then they also have project management initiatives throughout the season, ranging from trunk or treat to candy grams to a -a dance-a-thon that are kind of um, quarterly opportunities for them to activate not only their performance skills, but their leadership and executive functioning skills as well, which we recognize is a really important thing that we can teach through the dance studio Absolutely, that needs to be taught. Um, And then we also have our Girls Geared for Greatness programming, which kind of runs alongside all of that and is open to to dancers and to non-dancers. That's fully open to the entire community. Mm -hmm. And then each season we try to add um, like a special experience as well. So this coming year, uh, we'll be performing at Carnegie Hall in January in New York. And things we've done, um, the Cherry Blossom Parade in Washington, D.C., Um, we've done other New York experiences. So it's just saying, you know, let's get out there and let's perform, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily have to cost a fortune. And, and it gets, it gets people back to this mindset of, of show and entertainment instead of like, let's duplicate this formula to come home with a trophy.
0: Absolutely. And I'm, I'm thinking of so many, uh, even in the school's where they are folk they're maybe not competitive and they're just about like traditional school spirit and they're i've talked to a lot of coaches that feel like they're lacking in that it's like well i'm not i'm not good enough so we just do community stuff you know or studios that like well we can't compete at those huge events so we don't like to go it's like but there's i love what you're saying but there's so many other ways to to be motivated to continue to dance and grow and to grow as people along the way at, with like back to, I don't know, back to the roots of what dance, why it makes us happy in the first place and what we can give with our performance abilities. It's such a cool idea.
1: Right. And the only reason that we all lean into these competitions are because they exist and because it's become a pattern, right? The patterns can be broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I hear so many people complain all the time. Oh, I wish we didn't have to do this. Or I wish I didn't have to ask our parents to spend this amount of money on this. Or I wish I didn't have to spend two weeks at nationals in the summer and and it's like you know, it's a choice. It's a choice, and there's so much opportunity in, in just saying like this is where I want to go and the path that I want to take, and not allowing that to be dictated by an industry in which you have no control over.
0: Yeah, um, that's such a such an amazing message. I'm like sitting and processing myself. Like I, I loved my studio competitions. I loved nationals. I loved that, but could it have been a better experience? Sure, <laughs> there was, yeah. there were a lot of stuff about it. And like you said, it's not anti-competition, but even if you are competing, what's what's your value? Or what are you communicating to your dancers about that end goal and about the competition? Um, so that whether you're competing or not, you're in your values and you've thought them through and you've communicated them. And speaking of the communication part, do you, how do you communicate that? to your your answers and all that? It's a
1: great question because that communication piece is so important. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, you know, you have to stand tall in your vision and you have to communicate that. So in kind of that two-year waiting period, we enhanced our communication and, you know, this is, we're doing this for educational opportunity. We're not going to focus on what we're walking away with or without um and you know and tried to see if we could redirect the path based on that communication and it didn't work. And that's really when I recognized this has to go in order for us to go where we want to go. Okay. So and obviously with that shift came an abundance of communication so we we sat down with each family and explained to them the shift and the path that we would be taking um -hmm. the ones that had participated in competition before and interestingly enough you know when I was talking about the people leaving several of the people that left have since also come back Mm -hmm. so it's okay to let people explore and figure out what they want I think you know especially we get so territorial and Mm -hmm. and fearful when people are leaving or going somewhere else. But if we kind of just sit in the fact that that's okay, a lot of times that they they make their way back, especially when we're confident in what we're doing. So we focus heavily on internal communication, explaining to parents what we do now, why we do it the way we did, how it's different from what we did before. Mm -hmm. And then two or three years into that internal communication, we recognize, you know, hey, we really have something unique. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that we're sharing that story externally, because it does set us apart um, in the extracurricular market. So the past few years that has really been the focus is how can we make sure people know what we do and how it differs from the other options that they have.
0: Absolutely. That communication part. I mean, I harp on communication. If you follow me a lot, (laughs) it's a big, it's a big part of it, but you have to know your vision to be able to articulate it to your, the parents and the dancers. And uh, that's, that's a whole other level, but being able to, uh, to really explain it well and understand and even your staff
1: you know staff the staff have to, they have to have buy-in and confidence mm-hmm. and knowledge about what you're doing mm-hmm. and um you know with that communication piece it's i i we do a training with our staff each year where we talk about patience Um, because uh, so many of us like dance is what we've lived forever, right? We know it forwards, backwards, upside down. And, but so many of our clients and our parents, they don't, um, this is their first experience in dance Mm -hmm. and, and nurturing and patience and communication goes a long way in making them feel like this is the right choice for their child.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it's a, like you said, it's constant communication. It's not that you explain it once. You're like, okay, you understand my vision now. It's like, but it's in all of the messaging that you're constantly working on it talking through it, uh, making sure that they're hearing you and making those choices. Yeah. Um, I, I so appreciate this perspective. I feel like it's very different from what a lot of people might or I know it's different than what a lot of dance industry is doing, but even coming to this kind of summit and we're thinking about how do I, you know, boost my dancers confidence. So they'll like compete well on the floor. I'm like, but we can be talking about confidence in so many other ways. And when you were talking about all of the projects that they're doing and working on like those leadership and the goals and the executive function stuff, which is your ability to like plan and think and organize. And that is such a powerful lesson to be able to give our dancers. And I feel like we, we all, I think all of us as educators know that we are shaping way more than danceability. <laughs> and, and whether you compete or not, or school or studio, you have that opportunity. Um, but I appreciate that you've shared this just very different way to look at this and still really helping our dancers uh, grow as people just outside of what might be what we think we're supposed to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I, it's like you were saying, I was a competitive dancer. I loved it. I had a competitive studio for five, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a judge. I mean, I was all in. Yeah. And, um, you know, what it came down to for me was what what did I love most about those experiences? And what did I see the children and the dancers really loving and leaning into it and enjoying when Stripped away from all of these things that were award related. And it really was about the art mm-hmm. and the community and the connection and the confidence that they gain. Yeah. So, you know, I think however we can kind of shift or add or enhance and elevate, um, that puts us all on this really strong track for making. Um, dance, just a really meaningful experience.
0: Absolutely. That's so interesting. Thank you. Any like last points or kind of words of wisdom that you want to share with everybody? You know, I just, I
1: think that this is the perfect time for change. So if there's anything that's kind of been sitting on you and in your programs, this is a great time to do it because people have had so much change happen in a short period of time. Um, just as a global collective that, that the timing is is really good. You know, when we, when we activated our change, people were very resistant to change, um, right. but there's a lot of opportunity in the now um, for saying, Hey, we're going to try something different. Uh-huh. And I think that's exciting.
0: That is, I appreciate that. Maybe that's the take home from this of like, be, if you, something is weighing on you, you feel like you need to make a change in whatever your situation is in our dance world, like own, whatever it is that you're feeling, sit in it, listen to yourself. And this is the time, like, don't be afraid, have the confidence to make your own change. If that's what you know, you need to do. I love that. And then then communicate it. And then communicate it. Exactly. And make sure everybody else who's around you is either on board or they make their own choice and that's okay. But surround yourself with those who are going to back your vision and go for it. That's such a beautiful message. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate
1: it.